This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. I'm so excited to interview our guest today, Danielle McKinley. Danielle, who's also known as the HIPAA chick, is a wife, mom, friend, and positive energy enthusiast, which I love. Gratitude is her attitude. She's worked in risk mitigation for 12 years and consulted thousands of practices. She helps dental providers spend more time treating patients, enjoying hobbies, and spending time with family and friends by simplifying HIPAA, PCI, and OSHA compliance for their business. Her passion is helping doctors, dentists, and business associates understand how to get compliant and how to protect themselves from a compliance incident with minimal time and resources. She's found a way to have fun with compliance. She's here to connect and help. And so welcome, Danielle. Uh, I have always been reluctant to speak on HIPAA with my clients because I don't want to risk giving outdated <laughs> information. So I'm very excited to pick your brain today. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Happy to do it. Anytime I can help, I am all in. Awesome. Well, I really want today to be beneficial to those listening because it's one of those subjects, like I said, that people don't always want to touch unless they really know what they're talking about. I know you're the expert in this. And so let's jump in and give some valuable information to those offices listening. You know, I mentioned in there, you know, I'm reluctant to talk about it because I feel like things are changing. I feel like if I talk about something, it could be outdated. So I tend to be more broad and say, Here, here's someone to talk to, you know, let's get focused this way. So Having said that, what is the biggest changes in compliance that we should you know, be aware of right now? Yeah, so their compliance is always changing, like you said. So it makes sense why you feel that way. And I totally love what you said about, you know, the hesitancy, right? Like I think of trade shows and people are like the HIPAA booth. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go to that one, right? Um, and we, we don't want you to feel that way because it doesn't have to be complicated. So when it comes to changes, honestly, the best way to stay up to date with the HIPAA changes is to take an annual risk assessment. So Eric, just like you and I weren't taught how to file our taxes in school, dentists are not taught how to be HIPAA compliant, right? So the way that our government helps push out the updates is they've mandated a risk assessment. So when a practice goes through that assessment, they can learn where they're at, if they've missed any updates that have happened over time and kind of what their overall compliance health is. But most recently, um, what Health and Human Services is focusing on in terms of policies and procedures is access right policies. So there's an access rights initiative happening right now. It stems from a lot of what's happened with COVID and the fact that we're using like teledentistry and more remote work. So they're really focusing in on, do you have proper access control policies in place? Got it. I don't. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I can Proper. help you. Not to worry. <laughs> Proper access controls in place. Wow. Yeah, we are we are in a whole new world, right? So you mentioned, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think like a dentist right now. You mentioned updates are pushed out. The government mandates a risk assessment yearly. I'm sure someone listening was saying, what's a risk assessment? I don't even know if I've done that before. So give us a... Um, What's a risk assessment? 
Yeah. So risk assessments can happen a couple of different ways. Like hhs.gov has one on their website. I don't necessarily recommend it. It's not the most user-friendly, but basically it's a questionnaire that you go through that asks about all of the compliance requirements. And at the end of it, you'll know you've done one if you've received a report. Um, they're typically 23 to 26 pages is a, a pretty standard report. And it'll wow. tell you you know, this is how you scored. This is any any deficiencies that you have. And it'll also, in layman's terms, say, hey, this is what you need to correct. And you do that too, though. We do. Yeah, we, we have a, a risk assessment. Happy to give your listeners and, and base access to it. It takes 15 minutes to complete. We designed ours to be very practical so that a practice can quickly get an understanding and get back to patients and enjoying life. Beautiful. All right. We'll talk more about that maybe at the end. All right. Sure. Let's keep them on the line. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you see as, I guess, the most common, is it infraction? Is that the right term to use? Sure. Yeah. Infraction, violation. Yeah. Um, there, there are so many different ways that you can violate the compliance requirements. There's, you know, I always like to give like a small example that's more common in like a daily situation and then a larger scale. Yeah. So a small example that happens all the time is like, so my name's Danielle McKinley, right? You're the office manager. You answer the phone. Your patient, Danielle McKinley, has moved, forgot to come by the office to get their patient record is asking for it to be transferred once it's done by email. Office manager has back-to-back stacked patients. They quickly go into their practice management software, pull it up, and they send Danielle McKinley's file. Danielle McKinley, Danielle McKinley. Sounds familiar, right? Easy mistake, something that happens all the time. And then both of those patients have to be informed. So you got to let Danielle McKinley know hey, we made a mistake. This is what happened. We made sure that the files were destroyed, kind of talk them through how you mitigated the incident. And then you, you've also got to let Danielle McKinley know, hey, we didn't get the records. This is what happened, right? So the patient whose information was exposed unintendedly often is upset, right? So if they go and file a complaint, that often leads to an investigation where now Health and Human Services wants to see, do you have a risk assessment? Have you trained the office manager? Can you prove that you trained the office manager? That sort of thing. So those smaller infractions, like you call them, those are gonna be more common and not always something we read about in the media because they're they're done through like a, an investigation situation. Larger scale and definitely the, the biggest threat to the dental community today is going to be ransomware or malware. So you're, you know, checking your personal email, maybe on your lunch break, and you're waiting for a delivery and you get a delivery notification that looks legitimate. But if you just take that extra second to click on the email address, you'll see that it's not, you know, FedEx or Costco or PayPal. And now you've put malware into the computer systems. Yeah, they click on a link. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had someone send me a, an email that said, hey, I think you've been hacked. You're sending me this stuff. And I said, check to see who it's really from. It might say Eric Vickery, yeah. but it's not really my email address, you know, and they think I've been, you know, hacked yeah. in some way, but that's not right. I haven't been hacked. It's just somebody using my name. 
Yeah, well, what happens is cyber criminals are very intelligent. They they think like a criminal, okay? So they study oftentimes the environment of an organization before they actually target them. So what they may have realized is that, oh, the person that we want to click on this opens emails from, from Eric. Eric. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. They're looking at behind the scenes. So yeah. when you mentioned uh, triggers and investigation, are, are there practices getting hit with penalties for this? Yeah, absolutely. So the ones that we read about in the media are going to be the larger scale incidents where there was massive information exposed, like 500 or more records. But then there's um, there's incidents that you can look up to that are happening like around the access control policies we talked about at the beginning where they're getting hit with, you know, 30,000, 18,000. Um, a business associate agreement, there was one they were hit with 120,000 because they didn't have it. So the thing is, is that the penalties have a very wide range and the laws are super gray. So it depends on, you know, what representative is handling that incident within HHS or Office for Civil Rights. And, you know, to give a ballpark, it ranges from 10,000 up to 1.5 million that we see. So it can be absolutely crippling for sure in the, the private space. And you just mentioned a term I hear all the time, business associate agreement. What does that mean? Yeah, so this is one I'm glad you asked because this is one of the big misconceptions that I talk about a lot. So a business associate agreement is not like a business partner. It's a vendor that you work with that has access to patient health information or patient identifiable data. Could be their full name, their billing information, like an accountant if they're, you know, a collection agency. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of having this agreement is to protect the practice. So to protect your client, they want an agreement so that if a third party vendor does make a mistake or there's a human error incident that exposes the practice, the business associate is responsible, not not the practice. So the misconception is that business associates are being proactive by having their own agreement and giving it to a practice. Like Henry Schein does this, Patterson does this, a lot of IT providers do this today. And what they're basically doing is they're saying, hey, I know that I might come in contact with sensitive information. I'm aware I have a responsibility to protect it. This agreement is showing you proof of that. So it's just almost like a a courtesy. They are required to have their own agreement. They're just being proactive and saying, hey, here you go. But in order to actually get the protection that the agreement's designed to provide, a practice needs to have their own version. They need to be the sender. So a lot of times I talk with practices and they're like, oh yeah, I've got business associate agreements. Uh, So-and-so gave me one. So-and-so gave me one. And it's, wait a second, ask yourself, do I have my own agreement that I'm sending out? If you can answer yes, you're probably in good shape. I understand the difference. Thank you for clarifying that. So what purpose does it do for Shine or someone to actually give that agreement? Is it to protect them? Yeah, it is. So business associates have almost identical compliance responsibilities as a covered entity, which is a dental office. A dental office is called a covered entity under the HIPAA laws. So they're fulfilling their responsibility as a business associate. And the language is a little bit different in a business associate version versus a covered entity version. Wow. Okay. Good to know since I'm a business associate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, what's one thing you would say Someone's listening right now and 
they have no no idea where to start. What's one thing they can do right away today to improve just being compliant? Yeah, you know, I, I, I know that HIPAA can feel overwhelming and there's lots of courses and things that you go to and you walk away and you're like, that was so much information. Where do I yeah. even begin? Yeah, for sure. If that is how you're feeling, start with a risk assessment because the risk assessment is going to give you that roadmap of, mm -hmm. okay, I know where I'm starting at. I know where I need to go. And you can really develop that corrective action plan on how to get there. Okay. That seems simple. And now maybe what's something that doesn't exist anymore that people believe exists, or it's been rumored that this exists and it's just, it just keeps feeding and feeding and you laugh at it when you hear it. Like there's gotta be something that we're believing. That's not, that's not legit. Right. Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind when you say that. So one is actually around business associate agreements. Uh, labs do not need, you don't need to send your labs these agreements anymore. They, uh -huh. the law changed uh, years back and they're now covered entities. So practices are always like, but my labs, my labs, they need them. Your labs don't need a business associate agreement. Okay. And then the other one would be around training. So especially with everything we've all been through with COVID and like all the Zoom meetings and the webinar fatigue as everyone's calling it. Like people were like, yes, this is the time I can get my staff trained. And you may have gone to a, a CE webinar and thought, okay, I checked the box of my annual training and that isn't always the case. So there's, there's more things that are tied into the mandatory training requirements. So I do hear that one pretty often recently because of sort of the time we've all lived through recently. So basically what you're saying is we think we just need to get the CE credit signed off, but there's something more there that has to be done is what you're saying. Yeah. So with, with HIPAA training specifically, there's three things that need that a practice needs to prove. One, they need to be able to uh, reproduce their training material to show that it is correct and current and up to date. Number two, they've got to show accountability. So we can all agree HIPAA is not exciting. You're not going to be sitting in a comedy show while you're going through HIPAA training, right? <laughs> Unless I'm doing it, maybe. But, <laughs> but you got to show that you paid attention and you understood it. So there's always got to be a quiz that you get a certificate and shows, yes, I, I, I digested and retained this information. And then for the practices protection, the doctor wants to have their team sign acknowledgement forms. There's two of them. Acknowledgement that they received access to the updated policies and procedures and that they received training and they are willing to do what's required of them to protect the, the patient data. And the there's one more thing that a lot of practices forget about when it comes to training, and that is being able to train a new hire. You do not want to wait. So if, if you hire, if you just did your training in January and you hire me tomorrow, you don't want to wait until January 2022 to, to train me because if I make a mistake that leads to an investigation or I click on a link that causes malware, you're going to get hit with massive penalties because you can't prove you trained me. How do I train someone in HIPAA? You, you know, you, you delegate like it, doing in-house um, training is, you know, you're making an effort and that's good, but to really qualify for the safe Harbor bill that was just passed in January of this year, you want to have a certified party that's doing your training. Ah, tell me about the safe Harbor bill passed in January. I don't even know what that is. 
Yeah, so the, the Safe Harbor Bill is a, a great step forward with the HIPAA laws and a reduction to the massive penalties that exist. Basically, if a practice can prove that they've been meeting the compliance requirements for 12 months and they're hit with ransomware or a cyber attack, it drastically reduces the expenses. But they have to be able to prove that they've been they've been keeping up and making a best effort and that the requirements are gotcha. in place for 12 months. Oh, that's great. Okay, cool. So I'm trying to keep up my notes here. It's all good stuff. So someone comes in, we, we, we do our, our HIPAA training annually, right? But I hire someone and now I need to redo that with that person one-on-one. -on -one. And you're saying that you do that because you're certified to do that? Yeah, we do. We um, we have a, a training solution in our office safe portal that meets like all of the marks that we just talked about. And most importantly, it gives you real time access to the training material. So if you have a new hire, that's the number one thing you want to look for in your training solution is what do I do if I bring someone new on? What is the process to get them trained before our annual renewal renewal date? Gotcha. Well, with, and with All-Star Dental Academy, everything's online, everything's a portal with training, and then we have the coaches run alongside it. So it's a very similar approach to having instant access uh, to that information. All right. I've heard you say you help practices obviously turn being compliant into saving money and protect themselves. I get that. But tell me more about what you're, what you're uncovering, you know, how you're um, helping them save money for, by being compliant. Yeah, so there are a lot of practices today. Um, it's very different than when I first got started. It was a lot of pivot turns. I don't know if I believe in this HIPAA stuff, right? People today know, okay, I've got to do something. So there, it's very rare that I encounter a practice today that has absolutely nothing in place, right? So when they're making an effort, they're working with multiple vendors. Maybe they have an OSHA person that comes in, a HIPAA person that comes in. They Maybe they bought their manual and they work with an attorney for updates, for example, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what we're doing and how we're turning compliance into savings is we're looking at all of those aspects. And because our solution is a one-stop holistic, like complete automated approach, we're able to eliminate those expenses. And more often than not, we find more money than our program costs. So mm -hmm. they're ultimately turning compliance into savings because they're eliminating these other vendors they're filling the gaps that they have even with them so they're becoming more compliant and they're saving money i gotcha okay i thought you were going to tell me if i got busted you were going to pay my bill for me or something no well <laughs> uh in a in a roundabout way our program does come with financial protection so because awesome. getting compliant doesn't make you bulletproof it makes sure. you prepared right so we do round out our service with financial protection so that practices can avoid the expenses for cleanup. So it's like an insurance policy. There is an insurance policy attached. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Awesome. All right. Let's see. Uh, I guess what's the best way a practice can prevent, you know, those penalties. <laughs> I think we've hit on this, but maybe you can expand upon it a bit. I, I want to make sure I don't get penalized. I don't want to pay anything. What's the best way to do that? Assessment. Best, <laughs> yeah. Assessment, get a complete solution in place and be prepared for an incident. So like understanding what the breach notification laws are is important and really making an assessment on, is that something we want to take on internally or is that something we want to outsource because it can, it can be time consuming and you want to compare, you know, that happens to me 
how much time am I looking at being having empty chairs in my office? Because that means you're losing revenue too. So risk assessment, get a solution, have a plan for an incident happening so that you're you're prepared to go through it and you're really able to minimize the expenses and the downtime. Gotcha. And you mentioned before the uh, assessment is somewhere online, right? It's at your website. Why don't you give that out or email or something to someone here? If they're listening, they can go check it out. Yeah, sure. So I I put together some free, like compliment, no obligation, just Mm want to help. And you can access the risk assessment and some other tools at www.pcihippa.com forward slash Danielle. Make sure you spell HIPAA with two A's, H-I-P-A-A.com. Uh, not two P's, two A's either. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. just, yeah, that was great clarification there, Eric. <laughs> all right. Well, and you know, as with All Star Dental Academy, you know, we're all about coaching and training and mastery. I imagine it takes a lot for someone to completely understand this. So I'm assuming you walk alongside people and help them through this and, and really understand it. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is like our, our, main goal is for practices to be able to do what they love, which is treating patients and then enjoying their personal life. So we really take on majority of the work in this area. I talk to my doctors a lot about like the importance of productivity, which I know you do as a coach. And, you know, when you look at peers that you're like, gosh, they're crushing it. And you really analyze like, okay, what are they really doing different than me? What you're always going to find is they've become masters at delegation and they've learned to focus only where their strengths are and where they're weak, they find someone who's strong and compliance is definitely something that I tell practices to outsource. It's just not something that's worth the headache to try and become strong at it. Yeah, I I can't tell you how many times I say to a doctor, look, I just want you doing what you're legally obligated to do, treating patients. And Mm -hmm. if you have access to someone who's a master at this, study them, learn as you go with them and figure it out, but bring them on board to figure it out so that it's your peace of mind knowing it's being done correctly. So, you know, for us in coaching and helping on the the production and collection and case acceptance side and getting new patients in and preventing cancellations, of course, we're here for you at Dental All-Star. You can... Uh, obviously email Heather at allstardentalacademy.com and she'll talk with you about what we offer. Uh, But if you want help with HIPAA compliance and making sure you're protected, uh, it takes the HIPAA chick to get you dialed in, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Danielle. I really appreciate your time. I know this was valuable for everyone listening. So thanks again for those who are listening, for joining us and taking the time to invest in yourself. Please share this podcast with your friends, your colleagues, and of course, be sure to subscribe to the channel. And until next time, go out there and be an all-star. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.